General Subject Living in the Kingdom of God as the Realm of the Divine Life Message 3 The Kingdom of God as the Transfiguration of the Lord Jesus We are considering uh, living the kingdom life in the kingdom as the realm of the divine life. So this realm is God himself to be life to us. We are born of him. He enters into us. We have the life and nature of God. We are now in the life realm of God. And we considered this morning that this seed of the kingdom sown into us wants to grow until a a realm is brought forth, filling our whole being. So that is the kingdom, Christ himself, increasing in us through the growth in life. Tonight we will consider another essential aspect of the kingdom of God in its nature and in our experience. And I begin this way. So many of the things in God's creation, along with persons, places, and things in the Old Testament, Typify Christ. So the sun shining, without it life is impossible, really signifies Christ as the real sun. And I wish to point out that both in his first coming And in his second coming, he is the Son. So the Lord Jesus, who is the King and the Kingdom, came as light shining. So Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. Well, I start with verse 77 to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins because of the merciful compassions of our God in which the rising sun will visit us from on high. To shine upon those sitting in darkness And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the Lord's coming by incarnation was the rising sun visiting us from on high. And as we contact the Lord and seek the growth in life for the kingdom, 
He will visit us again and again as the rising sun. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 8 regarding the fallen people. And it says, in them there is no dawn, D-A-W-N, no dawn. But when Christ came into this satanic realm of darkness, the sun dawned. He visited us. The rising sun will visit us from on high to shine, to shine upon those. Tonight, Saturday night, in this area, how many thousands of people are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death? They need a visit from the rising sun. Amen. Then in, concerning his second coming, there's a prophecy in Malachi Last book of the Old Testament, chapter 4, verse 2. When the sun of righteousness will shine. This refers to the open, public coming of the glorified Son of Man as the shining sun to this earth. Everyone alive will have to recognize this. No more arguments. Just like Saul of Tarsus was conquered by a light brighter than the sun. So I want to trace through the scriptures this matter of light and how it relates to life and to the kingdom. So the focus is this. How, how can we detect or realize that the kingdom is increasing within us? On the one hand the increasing of the flow of life, which has its source in the throne of God, shown in Revelation 22. The Lord exercises his reign over us by the river of water of life flowing. And in the river, the tree of life is growing. So this increasing sense of life, of life flowing, is an indicator that the seed of the kingdom is growing. The kingdom of God as a realm of life is also a realm 
of light. 1 John 1.5 God is light. In him is no darkness at all. So his kingdom is a domain, a realm of light. There is no darkness in it. Darkness is related to sin, death, and the devil. Tomorrow morning we will deal with the authority of darkness versus the authority of Christ as the Son of God's love. So, as this light, God himself, increases the sphere of its shining within us, until, as the Lord mentions in Luke 11, there is no part dark. This is an indicator that the kingdom is developing within us. God is light. The Son of God incarnated said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Now we go back to the very beginning of the Bible. The first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That is about the original creation of the universe. The second verse is not about creation. It's about the chaos, the darkness that issued from the rebellion in the universe involving the archangel, Lucifer, the angels who followed him, and the beings on earth who had spirits. So the earth was without form and void. It was chaos. Darkness was on the surface of the deep. God does not create that way. He doesn't create chaos and darkness. That is the result of the fall and God's judgment. Then starting with verse 3, we have recovery and further creation. And how did God begin that restoration? He spoke, let there be light. And there was light. So this is light in the first stage. And this light produces Life. So immediately after that verse, there's a description of certain life forms. 
Then later, perhaps verse 7, there was what is identified in the life study of Genesis message 5 as the fourth day lights. Prior to the fall, there was the sun, there were the stars, but their function had been damaged by this cataclysmic rebellion. So the Lord had to recover the solid lights of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And we're told the sun rules. It rules. The moon typifies the church, which has no light in itself, but reflects the sun. And the stars typify Christ himself as the morning star and the overcomers mentioned in Daniel chapter 12. So this light is more solid. And this light is for the growth of life. It's hard to say which comes first. Life or light, light or life. In Genesis 1, let there be light, then there's life. There are the more solid lights, there's the growth in life. But in John chapter 1, we read, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. So actually, in our experience, there will be a cycle with light bringing life, life issuing in light, ever increasing. Paul's life with the Lord began with light. Brighter than the sun. That light subdued him. That light brought him under God's authority to such an extent he would submit and obey a word from any member of the body. Because any member may represent Christ the head to us. So we need to realize that the growth in life as the development of the kingdom is inseparably, intrinsically related to the increase of light. In Psalm 36, we read, in your light, we shall see light. This sounds rather mysterious. You're in the light. Of course you will see light. But the spiritual meaning is not trivial. 
First, we enter into God as the realm of light in Christ. We are now in the kingdom of light, the realm of light. Then in this realm, we receive light after light after light. On all the truth we've heard, on the word itself, bringing in the reality. And then the light needs to shine into every detailed part of our innermost being. That is why it's so crucial for us to live a life before God as open vessels. The enemy fears light and the self, the fallen human soul, hates light. The last thing the self wants is to be exposed. Because if it's not exposed, Satan can still manipulate a person. But when light comes, Satan flees, darkness flees, and the kingdom of God expands. It's very significant. We're back to John 1. I quoted verse 4 in verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light's not afraid of the darkness. It will overcome anything. Anytime we, for some reason, block off the light from certain parts of our being, that part remains in darkness. And that part of our being is under the authority of darkness. The enemy can use that part. If it's the mind, he'll use the mind. It's been his practice to use the most brilliant minds to bring in the most hideous thoughts. What the Marxists and the communists did by exterminating tens of millions of people, that was sown in the 19th century. Then John 1 goes on to say, this was the true light that enlightens everyone. And we need to follow this through. Then John says this true light came into the world. The world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. This is the Lord coming as light. And the world, and even the people of God, Israel, would not receive him. Then we have verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him as light, to them he gave the authority 
to become children of God who were born not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Then according to Matthew 4, verse 16, after he had been baptized by John and defeated the devil in the wilderness, he began his ministry. He began by preaching these words, Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. Then he went to the land of darkness. He went to Galilee, and he began to shine on people, and that light drew Peter, James, John, all the others to follow him. So this is a central matter in our life with the Lord. And how does the Lord uh, shine in us? Well, there's a very important verse. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. It says, The spirit of man is the lamp of Jehovah, searching all the innermost parts of the inner being. So, Christ himself, as the Spirit entering into our spirit, as the oil, makes our regenerated spirit the lamp of the Lord. And the function of this spirit, the regenerated spirit, mingled with the divine spirit, you could say it has a commission. And that is to search all the innermost parts of our inner being. This is how the kingdom develops. We are not empty. That would really be hazardous. The Lord would never leave us empty. It's better to be natural than to be empty. Then the Lord will come and replace our natural life with resurrection life. But we need to have a certain attitude. In John 3, we read of some who hated the light. Those who do evil will not come to the light. But those who believe in the Lord, who trust in the Lord, they come to the light. That the light may prove their works have been wrought in God. This should be, and this is, the attitude of our regenerated being. To say we love God implies we love light. To say we love the Lord Jesus, which we do love, whom we love, 
means we love light. He is an all-inclusive person. We cannot separate things we like and others we don't. One of my favorite verses, if not the verse, the favorite is in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. The God who said, out of darkness, light shall shine, has shined in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You keep this in mind. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now let's backtrack to chapter 3, verse 18. We all, with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Put these two verses together. We are beholding the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is in the face of Jesus Christ. I have good news for you. The face of the glorified, resurrected Christ is in your spirit. When the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we all, that's what it says, we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord. And it's not just some diffuse glory. It is in the face of this most wonderful person, the glorified God-man Jesus, who as the pneumatic Christ is in our spirit right now. And there's a hymn in our hymnal that we revised. We had permission, I'm sure. The brothers were careful with copyright. Revised the hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. But you look it up, it will say, Take Time to Behold Him. Sometimes we shouldn't be so quick to say things based upon the power of the blood of Jesus, you have the right to come with boldness into the Holy of Holies and to just gaze on the light streaming from the glory of God in the face of Christ. And this is how we're transformed. We're not doing anything. We're just turning and beholding then we're all being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So I think we have some impression that the kingdom is a realm of light, which is the nature of God's expression. In John chapter 12, the Lord again referred himself to himself as the light of the world. 
And he said, you need to believe into the light that you may become sons of light. We are children of light. Then Paul wrote Ephesians chapter 5. He said, once we were darkness. Now we are light in the Lord. Now here's an interesting question I set before you. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5, addressing the kingdom people, he said, you are the light of the world. So who is the light of the world? Christ or the kingdom people? The answer is yes. <clears throat> because God is making us the same as he is in life and nature. He's reproducing himself as life by growing in us and reproducing himself by making us light in the Lord. And so as the end draws near, we need Paul's word in 1 Thessalonians 5, that we are people of the day. The whole world is in darkness. But we are those of the light of the day. And the more the Lord increases in us and the more we love him and long for him to come, we will all be watching. In the midst of the darkness, we will be watching, we will be waiting for the Lord to fulfill a promise to the overcomers. We're waiting to see the morning star. The morning star. At the darkest time, we're outwardly in this situation, but our whole being is in another realm. We're in the kingdom of the divine life. And we are sons of light. And we know that before the Lord comes as the son of righteousness, he will appear in this wonderful way as the morning star for those who are alert, those who are awake. And I do believe the moment we see him, we will be raptured. Then, at the end of the Great Tribulation, when the Lord returns as the Son of Righteousness, His bridal army will have become light. So we are told in Matthew 13.43, concerning the overcomers in the kingdom, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. So we need to consider this 
And it's so simple on the side of our response. Just be open. Just be honest with the Lord and be open. Now, I would hope that no one would pray a certain prayer tonight, but if you pray it, the Lord will protect you by not answering it. Well, what kind of prayer is that? You go to your room, you want to pray, read some of these verses, you are touched by this, you want the light to come, and you pray, Lord, enlighten my entire being right now. If he did that, literally, you would not be able to take it. Your soul, your body can't take it. So he knows many have prayed out of a good heart and with burning zeal, and he appreciates that. But he says, I want you to wake up tomorrow morning. I want you to be at the Lord's table tomorrow morning. We don't want to have a memorial meeting for you. No, I want you to be here so I will measure out the light. And with the light, there will be life. And with the light and the life, there will be love. And the self, which hates this, will be dealt with by that irresistible light. Peter received a laser beam of light in Matthew 16. Every time I think about this, I'm kind of astounded. He just received a revelation from God the Father that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then the Lord says, I will build my church on this rock. Then the Lord goes on to speak of his suffering and crucifixion. And Peter takes him aside and rebukes him. Now that's strong stuff. You just confessed he's the son of God. You take him aside and rebuke him and contradict him. This will by no means happen to you. Then the Lord turns and says, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is not set on the things of God, but on the things of men. Then he went on to say, if you want to follow me, take up the cross, deny the self. Surely that was a laser beam for Peter, but he could take it. So I just appeal to you. I just thank the Lord for his kindness to me, his mercy to me. Way back in 1968, the open verse after verse after verse about light. And I just decided, I want to live here. Let the light come. So there's no part dark. The more light, the more Satan loses ground. The more light, 
the more the kingdom of God increases in us. So the kingdom itself is a realm of light because the kingdom is God is life and God is light. And we have been born of the light just as we have been born of God. We have the life of God and we have the light in us. And we should be willing. Well, even before we're willing, we need to see that huge difference between the divine light shining and introspection. May the Lord deliver all of us from introspection. That is the soul examining, the self examining the self. And if you are a rather deep person with a rather deep soul by God's creation and you take that way, I know whereof I speak, you will descend into the abyss of your, the depths of your being. You don't want to go there without the victorious Christ pioneering the way. Don't be pushed by the enemy to try to get this kind of knowledge of yourself by yourself. Rather, exercise your heart to turn to the Lord and open to the Lord and come to him as light. The light is in the Lord himself. The light is in the word. The light is in fellowship. Light is a condition of fellowship. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, is cleansing us from every sin. When we're in the light, the blood is cleansing us automatically. We're actually not taught to take the blood or apply the blood. It's not wrong, but that's our expression. We're in the light. Things are being exposed. The blood of Jesus is cleansing us from every sin. Sin you remember and sin you don't remember. If the Lord wants you to remember something, he'll bring it to your consciousness. Don't let the enemy take you on a journey to try to find every sin because you're afraid that the Lord will spring a surprise on you at the day of judgment, at the judgment seat. He's not that kind of person. He's not going to keep you in the darkness and then expose you then just because he wants to do that. That's the enemy. The Lord is for us. And so I just trust him. Shine on whatever you want to shine on. Expose whatever needs to be exposed, but I'm not going to go searching. I'm going to look away to you. I'm going to turn my heart to you. And behold you, dear Lord. But this mingled spirit has the function, almost the commission, to search the innermost parts of the inner being. That's our translation 
I checked it just before I, I came up here. Not only searching our inner being, but the innermost parts. Because the Lord's goal in developing the kingdom within us is to saturate us with life and to cause God as light to shine in every part, every part. And when he's ready to go to the depths, you will be ready. You will be ready. And you will experience a release, a deliverance, a jubilee beyond anything you've ever known. You'll really sing again glorious freedom, wonderful freedom. I'm no more bound by the chains. But this will come gradually at a pace set by the Lord who knows what the pace should be for each one of us. Now with all this before us, we can come to outline three. And consider that the kingdom of God as the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus. In the summer of 1992, Brother Lee had a conference and then a lengthy training on the subject, the kingdom. It's a 500 page plus book. It's marvelous, the kingdom. And he came to the matter that we will cover. And it just, the impression never left me. It's so precious, so wonderful. So I go back now, before we go through the outline, to Mark 9. And point out a very important sequence. Okay, see, in verse 38, it says, The Son of Man comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some of those standing here who shall by no means taste death until they see the kingdom of God having come in power. I don't know how many scholars, theologians, have misunderstood something that's so clear. But the man from Chifu made it very clear to us. They think, oh, the Lord must be saying that they will be alive on the earth when the Son of Man comes in the manifestation of the kingdom. So that must mean Christ promised to come real soon. But let's keep reading. He is saying there are some of those standing here. He's talking to 
the twelve. Some, not all of you, some of you are standing here. Verse 2, and after six days, he stood, he took with them, him, Peter and James and John, and brought them up alone unto a high mountain privately, and he was transfigured before them. And his garments became sparkling, exceedingly white, such as no fuller on earth could whiten them. There is a detail in Matthew 17 that is not mentioned here that we need. It's the same thought. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. What happened here was that the glory of Christ's divinity that had been concealed within the shell of his humanity was temporarily manifested. So the glory in him shined forth to transfigure his body, to make it a body of glory. What his resurrection body is and what our resurrection body will be exactly like his glorified body. That's why it was so delightful to sing 949. And I hope it's okay I'm not, do the piano players, even if we try to sing it to 948, eventually the music and the words got together. Our hope of glory is coming to glorify us. So the Lord said, some of you will see the kingdom of God coming. So you may wonder, well, where's the kingdom of God coming? Here it is. Jesus shining brightly. His face is shining as the sun. So what do we understand from this? The kingdom, in reality, is Jesus shining over us. It's Jesus shining into us. Whenever you have that sense in your time with the Lord, you're not only in the light, you're not only seeing light. This glorified person, this transfigured Son of Man, who dwells in you as the Spirit, and whose face you are beholding, he is shining into you. And that is the kingdom in its essence entering into you. He is ruling you by shining. What could be more delightful? There's no threat here. 
The iron rod is for the nations. The kingdom is this Jesus shining over us. And it's beyond description. Although I consider myself sincerely, it's not false humility. I'm a learner. I'm not where Paul was. I'm not where Brother Nee or Brother Lee were. They're a pattern to me and encourage me to go on. It's just so delightful simply to live, to be under the shining of the glorious face of the Son of Man. That is the coming of the kingdom. And it's coming this way to us. Inwardly, experientially. To produce in us the reality of the kingdom. And the result will be a reproduction of this glorified Jesus to such an extent that when the overcomers are assigned their cities and areas to rule, they will shine like the sun. This is how the Lord will govern for a thousand years. We may do other things, We'll have the rod. We have to discipline the nations. I think those who get Russia, those who get Iran, they're going to have to do a lot of subduing. You're going to break those pots. You've got to subdue them. Okay, things have changed now. All human government is gone. Wars are over. Justice is here. And like it or not, you are under the kingdom's rule and we are here as representatives of the Son of Man. And by the way, every year you're going up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. If not, no rain on your crops. When it comes down to it, I simply believe what the Bible says. Doesn't that sound pleasant to you? Right now, we can't go anywhere and rain by our face shining. That will be the, that will be the manifestation. Let others think of us whatever they want. Let them call us whatever they want. We're not going to be affected by that. We're not going to vindicate ourselves by giving them a kind of taste of the reality of the kingdom. The Lord won't let you do that. You're vindicating yourself. That's the self. The light shines on that. So I stop mid-sentence. I can't say anything. But when this kingdom has reached maturity in us and the Lord comes to glorify us, we will match him in every way except the Godhead. And what a sight this earth is going to see. What are, they going, what are the talking heads going to say on CNN, on MSNBC, on ABC? CNN, 
Communist News Network. <laughs> All of them. What will they say on Fox? We don't care. No one will be able to say anything. The light of the corporate Christ is bringing a dispensational change to the earth. You can leave your American Express card at home because it's invalid. <laughs> Don't go online to check your bank account. Oh, the whole money system has been eliminated. Don't worry about the next election. There are no elections. There's just delegated authority. But realize this. There's no more war. There's no more injustice. No one ever again will be tried and hanged by a biased jury. Never again will there be any unrighteousness anywhere. This is the age of righteousness. And we're here to enforce it because in the age of mystery, we became this. Now we are what we became through the complete, marvelous, organic salvation of the Lord. And we can point everyone to glorify God, to praise the Lord and say, this is what a seed produced in us. What a boast the Lord will have before the enemy. You satanified them. You made them sons of the devil. You made them the reproduction of yourself. You made them serpentine. You caused their body to be a body of sin and a body of death. They were a constitution of sin. But I came and I redeemed them. And I saved them. And I released life and imparted into them. And I sowed myself as a seed into them. And look what the seed did. And in 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul says, We will present it to the Lord, to the Lord with a heart without blemish. I wouldn't be surprised. This is now the wife, the counterpart of the Lord. If the enemy summons Satan, the adversary, come here. Look at her. I find no defect in her. I find her totally righteous, sanctified, glorified, renewed. She's my counterpart. Do you see any defect in her? You who were the accuser of the brethren day and night, what can you say now? You can say nothing. Now watch, enemy. I, the Son of Man, have all authority in heaven and on earth. I, the Son of Man, destroyed you on the cross. I defeated you. Now I'm asking her to execute my judgment on you. I'm going to shame you to the uttermost. A woman is going to execute judgment on you. Go to the abyss. And when you dare come out for one last fight, we will 
throw you into the lake of fire. How about this? What a future we have. Amen. So day by day, we live really a simple life before the Lord. We come to him just as we are, no matter what has happened. It's not going to help you to wait. You don't have to do penance for so many hours or days or flagellate yourself. That's a horrible religion. You come to the Lord as you are. You, you, you admit where you are, but you come on the basis of the blood of the Lamb. Revelation twenty-two fourteen, Blessed are they who wash their robes. It doesn't say blessed are those who are spotless. Who never make a mistake, whose robes are sparkling white. Blessed are they who wash their robes. We know from Revelation 7, they're washed in the blood of the Lamb. They have the right to the tree of life and to enter through the gates into the city. So let's just take a little break. And this way, since we are washed, we can sing. We are washed in the blood in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Amen. Now our garments are spotless. They are white as snow. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. This was, <coughs> this was the initial cleansing by the blood. But our whole being will be washed by the water of life in the Word. And since we know we have access to God through Christ and his redemption. We come as an open vessel and we come to the shining Jesus to realize the kingdom is you, Lord Jesus, shining. Shine on me. I will not hide any part from you now, my prayer, Lord, is before I meet you at the judgment seat, every part will be light. I don't want to wait until then to get the light and spend a thousand years making up for lost time. It's so wonderful to live under your shining. There's such life, such peace, such joy, such love, such release. Oh, what a wonderful realm to be in. This is where we'll conclude tomorrow. This is the kingdom of the son of his love. <coughs> now we'll read through the outline. Be done before nine. And lots of time for you to come and shine. Right? Yes. The kingdom of God is the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus. What is described in Mark 9, 1 through 13, is a picture of the kingdom of God coming in power. The center of this picture is the glorified Jesus. 
And with him are Moses and Elijah, representing the Old Testament saints, and Peter, James, and John, representing the New Testament saints. It's a ministry of the kingdom. Two, for the Lord Jesus to be transfigured meant that his humanity was saturated and permeated with his divinity. This transfiguration, which was his glorification, was equal to his coming in his kingdom. That's why the Bible scholars suggest keep reading. In the original manuscripts, there were no chapters, there were no verses. Some of you standing here will see the kingdom of God coming in power. Six days later, the Lord takes three of those that were standing there with him on the mountain. He's transfigured. His face is shining like the sun. That shining is the kingdom of God coming in power. The coming of the kingdom will be the coming of the shining Jesus. That's how he will return. A, the Lord's word in verse 1 about the coming of the kingdom in power was fulfilled by his transfiguration on the mountain. The transfiguration, the shining of the Lord Jesus was his coming in his kingdom. Remember Luke 1, 78 and 79, when he came through incarnation to be born, that was the sun, the rising sun visiting us. The Lord would like to visit you every day, not just in the morning. The rising sun. So any sister or little girl has the name Don, D-A-W-N, you are blessed. Right? A child of the dawn. And there will be dawn in you, little one. When you're old enough to know the Lord, you're going to be full of light. So where his transfiguration is, there is the coming of the kingdom. So I emphasize, even when he comes back, that will be a corporate transfiguration, an unveiling of the corporate Christ. Christ the Lord and his body, his warrior wife, dazzling white garment. Her wedding dress is her warrior's uniform. One reason he married her is because you're skilled in war. It's not love or war, it's love and war. This is how he will come. The manifestation, something was hidden. Now the veil is uplifted. And now earth, atheists, faculty at Harvard, materialists, Sam Harris, who wrote a book, The End of Faith, Richard Dawkins, about 
the myth of God. Now what are you going to say? Here I am. Deal with it. He's coming. But in order for him to come like that, he has to make us like that inwardly. Now the two subpoints. One, for the Lord Jesus to be transfigured meant that his humanity was saturated and permeated with his divinity. So this will happen in us. Gradual saturation. We're still human. We'll always be human. But we are having a divinized humanity, saturated with divinity. This transfiguration, which was his glorification, was equal to his coming in his kingdom. The transfiguration of the Lord Jesus was the realization of what he is. I mentioned this morning, the religionists crucified him for him asserting, yes, I am the Son of God. They thought, look at this, this ordinary-looking carpenter from Galilee. Blasphemy. But he didn't say, wait a minute, let me open up my being, let the light shine. Now what are you going to say? No vindication. He died for our redemption. But even after he died, shortly, immediately after he died, a Roman centurion, right on the scene, he said, surely this is the Son of God. He saw a lot of crucifixions. Nothing like this. But still, in this age of mystery, where God has ordained the way of faith, the unique command is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That is the unique command. All the unbelievers will be judged by that at the great white throne. You didn't. You refused to believe. That was rebellion. You refused to obey the gospel. Now you know. But you know too late. So we live in the age of mystery. By faith. And now we realize... The transfiguration of the Lord Jesus is the realization of what he is. So this is what's going to happen in our experience. More and more, we will realize what he is. Who he is. Just what he is to you. Item after item. And this is how the all-inclusive Christ becomes your cons the constituent of your being. To realize who Jesus is. In that same book, The Kingdom, Brother Lee talks about this centurion whose, I think, his servant was sick unto death. 
And he asked the Lord Jesus to come and heal him. And Jesus said, I will come. He said, you don't need to come. You just speak a word and it will happen. Then he said, I also am a man under authority. I say to someone, go, he goes, come and he comes. And then Brother Lee points out the following definition of faith. Faith is realizing who Jesus is. Remember, they're all in the boat one night in uh, strong wind, big waves. The disciples are panicking. Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And they wake him up and say, don't you care that we're perishing? So the Lord gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves, and they're amazed. And he said, you of little faith. They didn't know who was in their boat. Do you have any idea who's in your boat right now? Next week, you're going to be in a boat. It might be in placid waters, which is rare. It might be in a stormy sea. Who knows? But there's someone in the back of the boat asleep. It's not like Jonah's sleep, trying to escape by sleeping. The Lord was just resting in God. He has the full confidence in him. I'm just going to take a nap. If they realized who Jesus is, they would not have had to waken him up. They would say, let's all go to sleep. We have Jesus in our boat. He said we're going to the other side. That's his word. He is bound by his word. He keeps his word. So yes, there's water in the boat. Okay, our sandals are wet. The hem of our, of our tunic is wet. Okay. But nothing's going to happen. We don't have to panic. We won't offer any more panic prayers. But I would suggest keep up with the panic prayers until you realizes, realize who's in the boat. Then your prayers will change. They say, Christ is in my boat. He has the authority to calm the wind and the waves. Whether he exercises it or not, that's up to him. But I know if he is here with us, we're in the safest place in the universe. They didn't realize who Jesus was. So our realizing, this is when the spirit of reality makes something real to us and in us. See, the kingdom of God is the shining of the reality of the Lord Jesus. To be under his shining is to be in the kingdom. You just imagine what a blessing it would be to a little child growing up in a home and being cared for 
mainly at first by the mother, but the father's there to fulfill his responsibility. Imagine this little one growing up under Jesus shining through mom and dad. They have no idea whether you're telling them a story at bedtime. When I was home, I would like to to sing them to sleep. They enjoyed some singing, go by their bed and sing them. But when they're old enough and they reflect upon the blessing into which they were born, they realized, now I understand. And now I'm a part, I'm the same as mom and dad. I also have Jesus shining over me. What kind of testimony in our work And wherever we are contacting people, we're not conscious of it. You're not going to say, I'm going to go shine on everybody now. No, now now you're self-conscious. You're not aware of it. You're just at the sense of life within. You're one spirit with the Lord. And you have this friend at work or at school over a period of time. Eventually, that Light of glory is going to infuse faith into them. I believe in this. Romans 4, Christ has been sown into our hearts as a seed. This seed will grow and develop until it blossoms and is manifested in glory. So it's like a a plant. It's when, not only when when it buds, when it blossoms, then that's the definition. You know it's a carnation. I don't know flowers. But I can recognize a rose blossom when I see one. Okay? What kind of bush? I don't know. And so the seed will blossom into radiant light. The more the seed grows, the more light. The more the light shines, the more the seed grows. This is a cycle. In Mark 9, we see the transfiguration of the Christ as the seed sown in Mark 4. The one whom we have received as the seed of the kingdom of God needs to grow in us until he blossoms from within us. This blossoming will be the transfiguration of the Lord in us in a practical, experiential way. I have to be very careful whenever I visit the dear saints in Korea about suggesting possible names. I knew one sister in Korea in the training. Her name was Vine. And I mentioned that in a message. I said, but I've never met a child named Branch. It's another designation for the Lord. Okay. But you have to remember, I'm sharing this in Korea they are wide open and responsive to the uttermost. So I come back the next year and a couple comes up to me with an infant. They want me to meet their little daughter, Branch. (laughs) What will happen if I just the name Blossom? Maybe somebody already has that. Blossom. Okay, the seed in you 
is going to blossom. I have absolute confidence in this seed in every one of you. The seed is growing and it will blossom. Maybe it will blossom in all of us at the same time. Don't you want to live until we're raptured? Then the seed blossoms in all of us and we're all raptured in glory to be the wife, the bride of the Lamb. But now this blossoming is inward and experiential. See, when Christ is transfigured within us, that transfiguration becomes the kingdom of God ruling over everything in our life. Over everything. I don't have to go into the details. It's not the Lord watching you, waiting for you to make a mistake, to sin, to go somewhere online you shouldn't go. Then he's going to deal with you and say, I got a note of that. We'll settle that on the judgment seat. No, he's aware. But John, at the end of 1 John 1, he says, I write these things to you that you may not sin. He says, this is what's in my heart, that you would not continue this. But then he says this, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So what happens when we do that we have a defense attorney, our advocate with the Father. He immediately speaks to the Father. Father, we saw what happened. We know what happened. He did it. She did it. But remember, I paid the price for this. So I'm, I am I'm representing him. And so the Father and the Son agree. Then let's enlighten him to make him aware of this. He'll confess and then we'll, we'll forgive and the fellowship will be restored. This is how the Lord is not watching over us as a spy. There's, there's no heavenly KGB. That's in the kingdom of Satan, right? He's not spying on us. He's the overseer and shepherd of our souls. As the overseer, he's not just watching us, waiting for us to slip up. He's observing us to know how to care for us. He knows you're thinking this. He knows you're feeling this. He knows what's happened. He wants to care for you. This is the kind of king we have. This is what it's like to live in the kingdom. Indeed, the church as the kingdom of God cannot exist in the natural life, but can exist only in the realm of transfiguration. So the more we experience the shining of Jesus, and he is transfigured within us, by which I mean his face is shining in us. The Christ in us is the transfigured Christ. As this is taking place in all of us, the church will be the kingdom of God. On the one hand, we become the kingdom in reality by the growth of the seed. On the other hand, we become the kingdom by the shining of the transfigured Jesus in us. So we can begin praying in a personal way. Lord, grow in me. Lord, shine in me. I'd like to grow to maturity. I want to be with you in the kingdom. Then the Lord will enlarge our heart. Lord, grow in me for the body. 
Shine in me for the bride. Bring me to maturity for the kingdom. Yes, Lord, I want to be with you as an overcomer. But that's not my focus. You must have your bride. You must have your counterpart. You must have your body built up. You must have the kingdom established. My life is for this, Lord. I come to you with this being the single motive in my heart. For the sake of the saints, the churches, the recovery, the younger generation, our own children, grow in us, shine in us. So you can consummate this age. Come back and get married. And we'll enter the wedding feast. E. At the time of the manifestation of the kingdom, our humanity will be glorified by the glorious divinity within us. In one sense, the Lord will come back from heaven. But in another sense, he will come out from within us. He'll burst forth with glory from within us and he'll come with glory for us. When Christ fully lives himself out of us, that will be the time of his coming. So we want to all advance. I look to the Lord that if it's his leading through the brothers here, that we return a year from now, I fully believe there'll be much more shining in this whole part of the country. The enemy is going to lose ground big time just by the shining of Jesus in all of us. And the last point, in the millennium, the overcoming believers will be with Christ in the bright glory of his kingdom. Praise the Lord. This is the kingdom of God as the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus. This kingdom, the transfigured Jesus, is in you right now. So let's take 30 or 40 seconds just to contact him in prayer and then let him lead you to the microphone. And let's just do 30 seconds. We do this usually in the training. Just allow more to speak. And you just follow the Lord's leading. Come and complete the message by your shining. So pray and then speak. Thank the Lord.